you are listening to coding talks podcast with vishnu spend some time with vishnu who has more than 14 years experience in it having worked extensively on applications ranging from enterprise level web and cloud solutions to big data analytical applications he holds strong insight into the microsoft.net technologies microsoft azure and latest technology stacks including nodejs samarain and react this podcast will be available on all leading platforms including spotify apple podcast itunes google podcast and stitcher begin your journey to better understand different programming technologies right now Thank you for tuning into an another episode of Coding Talks. This episode we focus on understanding the Azure Kubernetes service or we call that as AKS in short. AKS is a managed service from Azure for deploying and orchestrating the container based applications. So we are going to discuss about AKS and by listening this episode you will also uh gain some knowledge about what is docker what is a microservice what are the benefits of using a microservice architecture we won't go that much deep into all these things but you will get a familiarity so that you can speed up yourself in developing container based applications so we will go step by step first we understand about uh, the need for using a container application so if you have experience in developing applications easy to understand ways to think about a website and if you have experience in developing application using a some language like uh, .net or php usually we develop that application as a kind of a three tier architecture probably it uh, a solution will have three different projects one project for the front end one for the back end that is the api and another one for the database for storing the data so this one will serve the purpose for a simple application and we traditionally use this architecture and we deploy this to a particular server and from the server that particular Uh, website is served to the client that is the traditional model we used to follow but uh, years later when the cloud platform gets more and more cheaper and more popular especially when the azure came up it became more popular and um uh, uh, applications uh, moved to azure like uh, instead of spending too much price on setting up the infrastructure and server requirements the the bad developer choose or the companies uh, choose is like uh, they opt for a cloud provider like amazon or azure and then hire some service like azure app service to host the website and for the database and api also uh, there are separate services inside those cloud providers in azure uh, we can use the azure app service to host the website api and there is a 
മാനേജ്ഡ് അഷുവർ സീക്വൽ ഡി ബി ഓൾസോ ഇൻ പ്ലേസ് സോ ദാറ്റ് ഇൻസ്റ്റെഡ് ഓഫ് ഹോസ്റ്റിംഗ് അവർ ട്രഡീഷണൽ ഡി ബി ഓൺ പ്രമിസ് ഡി ബി ഡി ബി വി ക്യാൻ യൂസ് എ മാനേജ്ഡ് അഷുവർ സീക്വൽ ടു സെർവ് അവർ പർപ്പസ് സോ വി ഡിസ്കസ്ഡ് ജസ്റ്റ് നൗ എബൌട്ട് എ ട്രഡീഷണൽ വെബ്സൈറ്റ് ആർക്കിടെക്ചർ വേർ വി വേർ യൂസിംഗ് എ നോൺ പ്രമിസ് സെർവർ ഫസ്റ്റ് ആൻഡ് ദെൻ വി നൗ ആസ് ക്ലൗഡ് ഇവോൾഡ് വി ആർ നൗ മൂവിംഗ് ടു ദ ക്ലൗഡ് സോ നൗ വട്ട് ഹാപ്പൻഡ് ഈസ് ലൈക്ക് വെൻ വി മൂവ് ദാറ്റ് ടു ക്ലൗഡ് ഇറ്റ് വർക്ക്സ് ഫൈൻ ബട്ട് വെൻ ദ റിക്വയർമെൻറ്റ്സ് ബിക്കം മോർ ആൻഡ് കോ മോർ കോംപ്ലെക്സ് ഫോർ ഇമാജിൻ ഇഫ് യുവർ വെബ്സൈറ്റ് ഹാസ് എ ന്യൂ റിക്വയർമെൻറ്റ് ലൈക്ക് ഇറ്റ് ഹാസ് ടു അപ്ലോഡ് സം ഫയൽസ് ആൻഡ് ടു ഡൂ സം പ്രോസസ്സിംഗ് which uh, which is kind of a complex processing and it involves some time so instead of making everything into one monolithic architecture so if we integrate everything into one particular project that is called a monolithic architecture and in the case of complex specialized requirements which your website needs uh, and if we integrate that everything into one particular project or one particular place what happened is it 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 is not easy to scale up and scale down that much easier as like when you split those into a separate uh, in separate components um so so the idea came up is to move towards a microservices architecture so it's a simple to understand instead of putting everything in one project you split the Uh, application into separate specialized services which is called microservices the term microservice means it's micro it's a it's a uh, small uh, service but it is capable of handling that particular requirements from its parts for example if it's a report generation service its main purpose is to generate the report and similarly if there is an upload service its aim or its uh, duty is to upload the files and similarly there are other services which you can um, create depending upon your requirements so the purpose of each of these specialized services is to do its part without depending on other areas so that kind of architecture is called microservices architecture and uh, when your website evolves there is a need for a payment system to be in place and if you if you create a different payment service as a separate microservice architecture then it is easy to manage that particular payment service separately without touching the main area so there are different kinds of benefits by using this kind of architecture this is kind of a modular architecture where you split each components into separate services so the idea here is we are splitting the functionality into separate services called microservices and uh, these all microservices finally work in an integrated fashion so these microservices do contact each other but uh, they are maintained and they are run independently uh, but still in an in- integrated fashion without any dependency to each other so if one developer wants to develop on a particular um, particular language in a particular microservice he or she can do that and same way if a if it uh, if one wants to scale up and scale down a particular service depending upon the load uh, they can do that independently without touching any of the other services so that's the um, advantage provides by this microservices architecture and when that kind of architecture microservice architecture is gained momentum 
and also with the advent of this devops technology where a specialized team is there in place to uh, effectively deploy the uh, code from its development to the um, uh, it development to production as fast as possible so that the customers don't have to wait a long time to get the code in production uh, uh, the idea of uh, devops is to as fast as possible you should uh, de- develop and you should uh, integrate that into your integration systems and deploy that to the customer so the with the uh, with the advent of this particular devops system and microservices the containers became more and more popular because by integrating the containers into microservice architecture and based on a container mode of deployment the devops can easily ship and package this kind of container based components or microservices as fast as possible without any dependency to other containers so for that purpose there are different services provided by azure um uh, 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 not assured uh, there are different services provided by different cloud vendors and from the azure side it's called the azure kubernetes services and from the amazon uh, it provides a managed kubernetes service called amazon elastic service and when we say about aks or eks these are the short forms of azure kubernetes services and azure uh, amazon elastic kubernetes services aks and eks so when we say about aks or eks as a managed services that means that the cloud provider like amazon or azure manages the underlying infrastructure and deploys the container instances accordingly so these container instances we call in general as pods so there are terms which we use uh, uh, interchangeably like uh, some we, sometimes we call that as container instances sometimes we call that as pods and these type of cloud services follow a kind of a declarative approach where once we sign up for the service we will mention to the cloud provider what type of containers we want uh, how much containers and how much features we need and the cloud provider will take care of the rest we don't have to bother how they are um, they are spinning up that particular container they may use some underlying technology like either docker or container d in the case of azure it is the container d you will just sign up to azure and let the azure know that okay i need a container um i i need i need a uh, container space with uh, this number of ports and uh, i can pay this much of money and based on that azure will provide that particular container instances and the other thing which we need to aware of is um, it is not just about uh, starting uh, or spinning up a container instances and maintaining it it's also about um, uh, gener- capturing the logs and other things when we think about the azure um, a kubernetes service like it it's not just about uh, creating a particular container instance is not not about easily it, it's not about that you can easily create a particular container instance and you can maintain it it's uh, also about a lot of additional integrations that are provided by azure like uh, the azure um, application insight is also um uh, you can easily integrate into the azure kubernetes services by which you can capture all the 
logs that are generated inside the container instances and those particular logs are captured automatically and will be presented to you in a uh, dashboard kind of format with a categorization so that you can take make effective decisions based on that for all of these services like azure application insights this azure kubernetes service there will be a charge but the main advantage is that these cloud services like the amazon or azure can help the developer to quickly set up and maintain the application um and they have to not worry about the infrastructure and other things and um in the case sometimes while these container instances are running because they are in a cloud uh, platform there is a possibility that sometimes these container instances or not to may fail and that time this uh, managed service like azure kubernetes services and in that uh, service there is a particular component called the kubernetes and that is the one responsible for orchestrating the different activities so that particular kubernetes service will identify what all container instances or ports are failed and it will automatically recover those things so from the front end uh, the user won't feel a downtime because the orchestrator like the kubernetes service is automatically handling all those things behind the scenes so these are some of the advantages you get from using a managed service because everything is in place like a kubernetes service is in place then the uh, underlying component like the docker or the container d in place so it will manage all those things and not not just that if you if you are Uh, having more than three or four microservices, and if you are uh, um, including that in a cluster, in an Azure Kubernetes cluster, the communication between those different microservices also is handled automatically, and the Azure also will create a load balancer on front of all these things, so that it will provide a public IP, and so that your um your components can uh, you can communicate with your particular microservice with a particular ip and the internal communication between the particular microservices that is within the each of this uh, microservice will be handled off by azure itself so you don't have to bother about that now let's uh, we have just understand that we will create a microservice Uh, architecture-based components or services, and uh, for your application, it may contain uh, more than three or four components, ideally. But sometimes, uh, on a minimum, it will be having one or two microservices. In short, and uh, you are going to deploy that to Azure Kubernetes services. So let's understand why when we split like this kind of. Uh, Uh, this kind of uh, uh, separate components and based on this micro uh, this kind of separate uh, microservice architecture what are the advantages you gain from that so it's uh, um, it's quite good to understand those things as well because then can that can help you to take decision whether we should go for a microservice architecture or not so now the first thing to understand here is like uh, um um Cre- creating this way or splitting an application into this way into multiple uh, components creates a bit of complexity 
and the software uh, developer has to architect these things properly at the start of an application and sometimes if it's an um, if, if it's an old legacy application converting that to a microservice is also challenged because the application is uh, created like a monolithic architecture uh, but for the new application or the new project which you are going to start working on uh, it is bit easy to architect than architect that application using a microservice but still there is an effort involved there because lot of decision has to be taken as what all functionalities need to be split into each of these different services uh, does there is need for a separate database for each services Uh, and we have to think about how each of these microservices communicate with each other so in the case of azure we don't have to bother about this on like how the microservices are communicating with each other because just like we discussed earlier azure will automatically handle that but if you are going for other uh, different service not a managed service you have to bother about that thing as well so there are a lot of different questions in mind when we develop an so i develop a particular project using a microservice architecture so to answer all these question uh, a developer or a software architect needs to make proper decisions uh, and it will take some time and a bit of challenge also especially in case of legacy application but on the other hand the main advantages that uh, these microservices architecture provides are Uh, quite numerous uh, like uh, uh, like one of the main advantage is the independentability of different container or the different microservices so each microservice stands by its own so because it stands by its own uh, it provides a lot of scalability so you can individually scale a particular service without affecting other services so this can save cost and provides uh, more fix- flexibility in dealing with services because some of the less utilized or underutilized services uh, can be scaled down to lower its cost without scaling down the other parts of the application and also the scale up and scale down can be configured in an automated way from your cloud provider the some of the cloud provider will provide a native automatic way of scaling up and down based on the peak load and in addition to that you can use the customized uh, scaling up and down by using the scripting as well so that option is also supported so the architect who creates these microservices uh, can tweak the way by which it can scale down and scale up but the one thing which the uh, which we need to aware about while architecting this kind of microservices is that it must be developed in such a way that it should be scalable that is it should not have a direct dependency with other services to scale up and down and not only that these particular services should be uh, resilient as well so the term resilient means that if in case if such a service is failed uh, maybe because of an external factor like a network issue or some other kind of uh, issues like a disk issue or something um, it should be capable it must be developed in such a way that when it next starts it will it should continue from the process where it's failed so to understand this from an example 
think of an image processing service which reads a list of images input from a queue and it is processing those images one by one it is processing so when it comes to half it's uh, an image processing fails and uh, it if it is properly developed that micro service uh, should will be resilient and it will be capable of starting from where it is failed so it will process that failed image again whenever the service is back in action so the development while developing that particular service we have to be aware of those things also the entire architecture of the application so there are different components that comprise that particular application so the entire architecture should be made in such a way that if one service fails the other one should continue with the rest of things without having a tight dependency with the uh, other services so from this you can understand that to architect such a kind of an, a microservice based application it's a bit of challenge but if you consider if you accept that challenge and include a microservice based architecture and the advantage you would get is the application become more scalable and one point i want to mention in this regard is you have to think about whether you would need a, a microservice architecture at all because if it's for a simple application uh, making it a kind of a microservice based architecture and if it's not going to develop that much then it's kind of an overkill so you have to think carefully before uh, um, converting an application to microservice or thinking about to develop an application in microservice sometimes you would need we won't need a this kind of container based applications at all because you can just create a simple three tier architecture and you can deploy that straight away to azure Sur- azure app service or some other kind of services and you won't need containerization at that place but if your application is having too much different areas where each particular area needs particular processing and there is a scope for scalability then considering this kind of uh, microservice act- uh, architecture is certainly helpful and for such an architecture this container would be a great help then another advantage from the perspective of developers or software developers is like uh, uh, if you have a microservice based architecture and if you have different teams that are specialized in different languages like uh, some teams are specialized in c sharp some teams may be specialized in javascript so based on that you can your teams can contribute to different areas one team can develop that in c sharp another uh, team can develop a different microservice in javascript so it doesn't matter so the your resources developer resources can be utilized properly and independently services can be made without depending on each other so e- each of these services will be connecting to each other through basically through maybe an https channel or through a kind of a tcp or some channel but these services are independent so independently they can be created so uh, i will explain a lot i explained a lot about this microservice so in short it means that a microservice based application uh, consists of a group of services in the group of independent services to be ideal that work together to form the application while the 
these individual services or micro services can be built uh, not only just built we can tested that and we can deploy that as separate containers and scaled that independently of each other so now we understood that uh, we will have an architecture with a different micro services and we will can we can deploy each of these micro services independently without bothering about each other so that is another advantage from the point of a deployment like uh, when one particular area needs some updation or some improvements in code for example in the payment if the payment is not working properly and some needs some maintenance you can uh, your team who is specializing in that particular payment area can work on that particular area and deploy that particular part independently without affecting other parts so that is another advantage but the application should be made in such a way that if one particular service like the payment service is down it should show a proper indication to the front end user like uh, for example when the front end user or the your website user is accessing that payment part it should show a message like okay the payment is not available uh, please try later on some proper help message can be provided so that is called resiliency so because whenever that payment service is back that particular area Uh, that warning message will goes away and straight away the user will get access to that particular part so the application the entire architecture has to be made with that particular thing in mind like it should be resilient if one service is failed so now we have different kinds of services in place and we want to deploy that so where should we deploy in the case of uh, container based deployment we needs a, a docker Uh, container for uh, docker registry and a docker container for deploying that application so docker registry is the area where we first initially create a docker image file based on each of these services so, so each of these microservices will have a separate image files and we uh, generate that first and then we will uh, deploy that to the containers now we don't have to think that much because we in this episode we are discussing about azure kubernetes service so we can straight away use this azure kubernetes service we can sign up that um and we can opt for some um uh, some space in that uh, space we can call uh, for the moment we can we can uh, we can ask for some for some space in the azure kubernetes services and we can configure some details so that it will automatically handle all the underlying docker and everything so we are just providing the basic image file and uh, rest of the things will be handled by the azure kubernetes services um and um the other thing uh, we would get from the using this kind of azure Q- kubernetes service is that we understood that we have different services as individual containers uh, but we need some mechanism to manage all these different containers individually but at the same time in an integrated fashion so because it is part of a single application we have to consider that in an integrated fashion but still separately so there is a um, there is a service like an orchestrator is required in that and that particular orchestrator in this azure kubernetes service is called as kubernetes so this term azure kubernetes service the kubernetes is actually an orchestrator and that orchestrator is actually doing a lot of thing and behind the scenes it's creating some container instances 
so the orchestrator constantly watches different container instances and it scales it and scales out as however the developer is configured those things in addition to that sometimes when each of these ports or the container instances are running in a cloud like system there is a possibility for errors and this this kubernetes service automatically fixes those errors and make things easier for the developer so about this kubernetes service this is not from azure uh, we call this as azure kubernetes service but actually this kubernetes service is an independent project started by google in 2014 and why they started is to orchestrate the different container instances so because it evolved as a popular mature framework now all of the popular vendors like the azure kubernetes services or the amazon elastic kubernetes service the all began to integrate that into their particular cloud services and they came up with a new service called the azure uh, uh, kubernetes services but that particular kubernetes service is a service integration from a project which is developed by Uh, google in 2014 uh, it's uh, available separately as well and lot of cloud providers are using it but if you if you are hosting your own server with your own docker containers and the kubernetes it's a bit tough because you have to configure all those things and there needs a bit of infrastructure related works which you would need from your team spark so to avoid that ideally uh, provided if there have enough budget for that many of the organizations are going for azure kubernetes service or uh, this uh, amazon elastic service so that they can straight away use that because this is kind of a declarative model where the once you pay the money uh, you can declaratively tell to azure or amazon that i want this much container instances and you can just provide the configuration so now we understood the concepts a bit from the perspective of coding how we can start that so i will explain this from the uh, from a dot net development perspective so you can think about that from whatever language you are comfortable with the idea is same and if you use the visual studio code you can create different applications in whatever platforms you like visual studio code can be installed in multiple platforms and based on your preference you can create a project by but the concept i will explain will be in, in uh, from a dot net project perspective but you can relate that to whatever you like so we will start a new container based service so uh, we can uh, we understood that there are a lot of services for our uh, for our application but for the moment we can think about how we create a simple service microservice using uh, this uh, visual studio professional or visual studio code uh, probably we can think about a simple api dotnet core api and that api would be serving some front end like a mobile front end or a website and that api has a few Uh, methods and that will return some json data and you would want your api to deploy inside a container instance because sometimes if there is a peak load happen you want to scale up your api so that is your purpose uh, for this example um so 
when you create a new dotnet core api you can straight away create a dotnet core api from new project and you can select the template type from visual studio like dotnet core api and when you create a project like that you should make sure that the run inside a container option is ticked so that editor that visual studio create screen will have that tick option there so if you tick that this uh, run inside a container option visual studio behind the scenes will create a container file or docker file for you so that is the difference if you create a project without this runs inside a container option uh, it won't create a container file but if you create a container um, uh, run inside a container option with tick enabled visual studio will uh, behind the scene create a docker file for you so that docker file is the main thing so it is a basically a text file you can open that in any of your text editor and you can see lines of code where it is mentioned what is your project what all dependencies it has for in the case of a simple dotnet core api which we just discussed it don't have any other dependencies it is the dependency which that particular project has sometimes for example if your dotnet core api has some libraries which is, are using to uh, do some processing or something that is a dependency so the advantage of using a container based application is you can you can integrate all those dependencies uh, i mean not the dependencies with the other uh services i mean that dependencies which that is required for that services to run independently so that dependencies all you can uh, embed that into a single ship shipping container like you can think about a shipping container like that so that finally the end product which the visual studio generates is an um, the container image so that single image file is the one that we are going to provide to this azure kubernetes services and azure kubernetes service use that particular image and then based on the configurations which we provide it will deploy that to uh, the uh, required ports as per the configuration so uh, from the development part this would be fine like uh, we just created a dotnet core api and we enabled the tick like uh, run inside a container and that is enough and we can build the application and if everything is working properly everything is running properly then then the next step would you we would need is to sign up to azure so you can sign up for a free account and then create a new azure kubernetes services so there are different services in azure i think more than 100 plus services so it's a bit confusing for the beginners to how to add a new azure kubernetes service so you can straight away search the particular azure kubernetes services on top of the search screen and it will show the option uh, it will show that particular service like azure kubernetes services so we are asking we are we have signed up for azure Uh, and we are asking azure okay let's provide a service called azure kubernetes service so next the azure will uh, provide a screen to for you to add a um, kubernetes cluster so you, uh, here you have a lot of options to configure while creating the cluster but uh, um, for understanding purpose let's stick with the defaults from the portal so many of the defaults will be uh, provided automatically by azure itself 
and some of the things which you need to provide is a resource group so give a unique resource group name and hit okay and then we have to provide the cluster details as well especially the cluster name so in this case you can call the application as a sample uh, um, aks application or something then you have to select the kubernetes version which is available at that particular time while you are developing and you have to select the availability zone as well and one thing to keep in mind that for production environments uh deploying a cluster in an availability zone is the recommended one for for learning or um staging purpose or understand uh, just to do a poc kind of things there is no need to deploy that in an availability zone so you can use whatever you like you don't have to select an availability zone there but for the production environments you have to uh, deploy the AKS cluster in an availability zone. So the next thing we have to select is the the type of machine we want the container instance to run. So there are different ones provided by Azure, and each one have a various cost associated with it. For the purpose of studying, we can select the DS2 V2 option. Uh, where we can uh, we can select a, a node count to two means two container instances can be selected and once everything is in place you can click okay create and create and then uh, it should take around 10 minutes roughly 10 minutes and once the deployment is complete you can check the deployment details from the azure portal so after the deployment you can click on that particular uh, cluster which you just created from the azure portal itself and it displays the name the location and the uh, api server address and also you can see a lot of navigation menu on the left which provides different options basically to uh, how to manage your cluster uh, and there is a section called the Kubernetes resource section which gives you an insight about the workloads that you are running on your cluster so you could see for instance how many deployments are running and how many pods are actually running in your cluster in this case which we just discussed we were using two pods so you can see that as well and you can also create new resources on your cluster as well and there is a node pools pane so that can be used for scaling the node for example if you want to have a feel that okay at the evening time my application is going to require more processing or more nodes you can add that up and if there are no users you can remove nodes as well with the minimum of nodes so that you can lower the cost so the basic idea is you can upgrade and uh, the degrade upgrade and um, degrade the nodes individually and uh, there is another one thing worth mentioning like the cluster configuration uh, pane where you can instruct the particular azure kubernetes service to upgrade the control plane to a newer version so this will take some time and once that is upgrade so it will be having the newer version and there is a pane which uh, called the insight pane so that is the area where the logs are collected from the different container uh, instances and displayed to the user 
so that will give uh, an option for you to monitor your cluster infrastructure and the workload that are running on the cluster so everything is in place so you can see all those things from the azure portal itself and in additional there is an option called a cloud shell icon which you can probably see on top of the particular azure kubernetes service so this cloud shell is a shell which is used to interact with the particular azure service so you are going to um interact with your azure kubernetes services from this area so first time when you open the cloud shell it will ask what type of scripting language you want so for those who are familiar with the .net the powershell will be an ideal option or for linux professionals they can choose the bash as the default shell experience and then it will ask for a storage location and sometimes while creating the storage it will uh, generate an error and in the, that case you can restart your cloud shell and if everything is in place the cloud shell will be running and you can use that particular cloud shell to interact with your azure kubernetes cluster so now we understood that the we have generated a azure kubernetes service cluster we have provided some details and that is running but it won't have any thing because we have created an application but that is in our local machine only we have to deploy that we will think about how we can deploy that a bit later first we can understand what all things we can do from this particular azure uh, kubernetes cloud shell so the command line tool that is used to uh, interface with the kubernetes cluster is called the kubectl k u b e c t l so the benefit of using this kind of tool is that along with many others comes pre installed and maintained uh, regularly it's provides a lot of options so the um, so you have to uh, first connect to it using a command called uh, the aks uh, space get credentials followed by the resource group name and the name of the uh, cluster which you created and once that is um, connected properly uh, then you can access the particular nodes inside it so this aks uh, space get hyphen credentials uh, that syntax and the correct detail of usage is provided in the azure documentation so you can just search for aks space get hyphen credentials and it is followed by the resource group parameter and then the name of the cluster which we just created uh, earlier like the sample application aks or something so if it is connected properly then it will provide a um, link to en uh, provide an option to uh, provide uh, enter the particular um cube uh, cube ctl commands and you can provide like a cube ctl space get nodes so what it does is it will get the nodes and we already know that we only configured to generate two nodes so it will display the particular two nodes with a ready message so the more the number of nodes the more will be the cost associated with it and now everything is in place so we have our application in our local machine and we need our application image so we have a docker file with that and visual studio is capable of building that image as well 
but uh, how ideally it happens in production environment is we will check in that particular code to a source control system called azure repo or some git repo or somewhere and then we create a pipeline build and deployment pipeline to connect to that particular source control and we b- define the build and deployment steps in yaml so there are enough documentation in azure on how to create the build and deployment pipelines which targets to this uh, azure kubernetes services so uh, it involves that if you look into that particular yaml file which will be available from the azure documentation you can see that it is mentioning how much container instances you need how many ports would you require how much memory each instance need so all those things are defined inside that particular yaml file and if everything is properly configured correctly uh, you can run, run your build and deployment pipelines and you can see that the application is deployed to uh, the a particular um uh, uh that particular clusters uh, we have already created cluster so you can see that if everything is deployed properly it is uh, uh, properly to the clusters you can again uh, open the azure cloud shell and provide the command like a cube ctl space get space ports uh, double slash uh, double hyphen watch so if you provide that you can see what all is running there and you can also uh, you can get all these details from the azure documentation like what all commands you can provide and if you want to view detail about a particular pod uh, you can use the uh, cube ctl space get service followed by the uh, application means uh, if, if suppose uh, we just have two uh, pods available so you can ideally uh deploy two microservices so the front end microservice or the back end microservice if you want one more you would need a third pod as well um and if you want to view details about a particular uh, pod you can uh, call that by the cube uh, ctl space get space service space uh, that particular application name and double uh, double hyphen uh, watch so if you provide that then azure will show all the details and in addition to that sometimes you would need to understand what all microservices are deployed to your particular cluster for example we just create a new uh, aks cluster and the idea is it should be an integrated cluster for all the different microservices which we just created we can scale the um, microservices independently but we have to uh, we want to see all the microservices uh, that are deployed to the particular cluster uh, so for that you can use a command called getol the exact syntax of the command is like a cube ctl space get space all so Uh, this is how we view the objects from uh, from the objects or the ports from the uh, azure uh, ctl so um, you can view the objects from the azure portal as well for that uh, you have to click on the workloads in the left hand navigation menu of the aks and you will see all the deployments in your cluster and uh, just like we have discussed earlier we created our own cluster 
and our first uh, kubernetes application and uh, you can see that two ports are available May, mainly you can deploy a front end and a back end and the communication between how these two happens will be automatically managed by the kubernetes you don't have to worry about that and the details about exposing them to the outside world uh, will be on a base of a front end uh, called the load balancer that is also created by default when you create a cluster and the external clients like the front end client load the mobile client will be calling this particular api through that load balancer and behind the load balancer these different uh, um, ports for the container instances are running so you can scale the container instances up and down and that all will be load handled and deployed accordingly to the uh, whatever required users like mobile uh, mobile clients or website clients or whatever so now we understood about how we can create a application what we have done is we created a new project in visual studio um, we made sure that the run inside a container is enabled we also created a new cluster in aks we defined the ports and we defined a yaml build and deployment and now everything is in place so that based on that particular yaml file the and the how we defined that this particular uh, uh, kubernetes will deploy these particular things properly and if you don't want uh, this uh, this uh, um, for example if you want to clean up your deployment what you can do, um, do is we understood that we created everything from that yaml file and based on that these are created so you can just delete that uh, particular yaml file and uh, we can see that all the objects also getting deleted so now we can understood a bit about the different deployment concept in kubernetes as well um so a deployment is linked to a replica set so the deployment is an object in uh, this uh, kubernetes that is used to define the uh, desired state of an application maybe a dev Uh, production or qa but when we deploy a, uh, this kind of aks cluster what it happens is it creates a replica set so a replica set is an object in kubernetes that guarantees that a certain number of ports will be always available so a replica set will ideally create one or more ports and a pod is an object in kubernetes that is a group of one or more containers so we use the uh, term interchangeably but uh, this pod can be also uh, called as an object which contains one or more containers so we understood that uh, we used a static yaml file to deploy the application so this is fine uh, for this example but when it comes in complicated application which having multiple environments Uh, it is quite difficult to manually edit the yaml file for each environment so at that time uh, usually the tops uh, developers use a tool called helm so helm is kind of a packet package manager for kubernetes so this helm tool helps you to deploy update and manage kubernetes application at scale especially when you have multiple environments for this uh, we need to write something called the helm charts uh, 
so uh, for understanding about helm charts you can think about it as a parameterized kubernetes yaml file and uh, for the example which we just discussed the yaml file is a bit static and you would need to make changes to uh, reconfigure for example if you want three ports you can you need to change that yaml file you can of course change that from the azure portal but uh, deploying via a yaml is the preferred way so to make changes you would need to change the yaml file often but the advantage by using a helm charts is that you can uh, uh, you can use this helm charts to allow you to write the yaml files with uh, certain parameters in them uh, which you can dynamically set at the deployment time so this set, this setting of parameters can be done through a value file or as a command line variable when when you deploy that particular chart so based on that particular parameters you can tweak the how it is deployed so if you provide different configuration variable like how much number of ports how much uh, memory is required for each different environments you can all configure that through the helm charts with the certain parameters and by editing that values in different environments you can create a uh, single um, yaml file with its parameters get from through the helm charts and that is that varies for each environment as well now we understand uh, about how we can deploy the application to azure kubernetes service uh, in a form of microservice container um, let's understand a bit about how we can scale the aks cluster so of course you can manually scale the uh, different ports as you like but that is not uh, not an ideal way because sometimes we need to scale out or scale up depending upon the requirements uh, so um, there is a service called hpa in inside this kubernetes so hpr can monitor the cpu metrics uh, not just cpu metrics it can monitor other things also and uh, it can uh, decide whether new ports should be added to your deployment for example if the processing is above 50% you can define a um, you can mention to the hpa that okay let's create this much additional nodes and it will automatically create that so the second dimension in the azure kubernetes service is the number of nodes in the cluster so the number of nodes in a cluster uh, defines how much cpu and memory and available for all the applications running on that cluster uh, so you can scale your cluster manually by changing the number of nodes or you can use the scale cluster auto scale to automatically scale your cluster um if there is not that much memory available then you can um, you can reconfigure that to create additional memory as that like then um, so th these are all the things which we uh, need to understand about uh, the azure kubernetes services and when it comes to uh, the actual production uh, certain things will be taken care of by the azure kubernetes services like the failure case because if something wrong is happening in a node uh, or kind of a, because either due to an azure outage or some kind of virtual machine issue or a kind of an operation system catch operating system uh, crash so the azure 
Kubernetes monitors always these kind of node failures and it can recover automatically. But sometimes we need to be extra careful like, okay, if this happens, what we need to think about like the resource utilization. If if the resource gets exhausted, what it can happen and how it can recover. All those things you can uh, defend. So all those details, uh, how to recover from that and all those things are mentioned in the documentation. So you can go through that. And the main important thing when related to deploying an AKS cluster is the integration of the Azure application instead because that can help you to understand whether a particular pod is running properly, what all are generating, all those things. Up to some extent, you can view all those details from the kubectl uh, cloud tool which we just discussed. But uh, integrating the Azure um, in Azure uh, application insight is of a great value because it can provide a lot of additional information. So I think uh, I have covered um, quite a bit about the Azure Kubernetes service and this is well suitable for microservice architecture. So I hope you understand the concept and you will you can get more familiarity by going through the documentation and by watching other uh, other tutorials uh, once again thank you for listening to this podcast and we will come up with another topic on the next episode thank you thank you for listening this podcast if you are interested in learning more from Vishnu kindly subscribe coding talks from any of your favorite platforms including Spotify Apple podcast iTunes, Google Podcast and Stitcher. Have a nice day and hope to see you over in the next episode.